February is the worst month of the year, but it's an honest month. It's a month that doesn't hold up life any better than it really is. I mean, look around here. These buildings, they, they look like they don't even have any lights in them during a work day. And uh, something great happened here, but it's over with. And that's the way February is. You can see it in the way people walk and how they look. Let's, let's go just check out February. This, this says it all. This has a spring-like or floral pattern on it. But somebody on this February day has abandoned it with its broken shaft like a desperate flinging off of something that's not true anymore. The expedition is getting desperate. People are throwing things aside. Look around downtown on a February workday. This looks like a place where people who are being punished are sent. If you notice the way people cross the street in February, it's different than in the summer. Nobody is tap dancing or breaking into a Rodgers and Hammerstein song. It's their lunch hour, and they're just barely able to get across the street and hunker over a bowl of chili. Carbohydrates are big this time of year. Also, lotions because everybody is itchy and tired and irritable. <laughs> Even the land is tired in February. Most of the birds who can afford it have gone to Florida. And the, the trees that once cheered us, they're hard to look at this month. It's as if there is some awful truth out there in the trees. It's hiding in the branches. Look at them. Something that's been bothering you for a long time is out there. What is it? You can almost see the shape of it when all the color is gone, when life is stripped down to the starkness of February. <laughs> to try to hide the bleakness of February, man invented Valentine's Day and also Mardi Gras. But then February answered back with another holiday, Ash Wednesday. What other month could host a holiday that's designed to remind us that we're all going to die? That's February for you. It is bleak, it is honest, and it just tells you the way it really is. My father used to have a saying that if you can live through February, you'll live another year. <laughs> the whole other story, I'm Kevin Colleen. <laughs> Dude, it's fucking great. Oh, it's so good. I mean, like, uh, I mean... <sighs> It's one of the most brilliant news reports, especially like a local news report, because he's uh, his name's Kevin Killeen, and he is a reporter for uh, a local cable news place in St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, some of our listeners have probably heard that before. It went mini viral. Uh, I remember I sent it to you a couple of days ago, and I was just like, this is the most yeah, brilliant thing. Yeah, and to I've anyone who seen. hadn't heard it until now, you're welcome. It's the fucking... Yeah. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. It's just like, uh, it, it's just such an, uh, an, an honest... Um, just soliloquy, you know? Yeah, it has a, um, it, yeah, it's not quite as like dismal as some like Bukowski shit, but it's kind of along those types of lines, you know? Um, it really, really did cheer up my bleak February a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's the thing is that it, it's like, it's funny. You yeah. Know? It hits like an, a very honest chord. Like yeah. when he says, this is a place where people, are punished or sent to. Yeah. yeah. I also like that he goes, this, this city is a city that something great happened in, but it's over now. Yeah, right. yeah, <laughs> also yeah. my favorite part actually is though, when he goes, look at the trees, they're hiding a dark, some, a dark secret. Yeah. Right. What is it? You can almost make out the shape of it. <laughs> yeah. Dude, um, I mean, like 
I mean, everyone feels that way during February. And it was a, yeah. a brilliant take on his part to just do a news report about that feeling. I mean, yeah. like I tweeted about it when I, uh, and I said like, uh, as a rule, like journalism isn't art, but like all uh, rules have exceptions. Cause that's like <laughs> legitimately art. A hundred percent. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, poetry. Yeah. And, and like, uh, with my, my newsletter, I'm trying to do like something progressive for journalism as a medium for like local journalism, like kind of changing the way that it could look, uh, and, and read and stuff. But I can't hold a freaking candle to that guy. Like that, <laughs> Maybe that is, you'll get there someday. But I know. I, I mean, it, it inspires me to, to try harder. I uh, love that. It's so bleak, but at the same time, it has some kind of like, it's, it's optimistic in its, uh, bleak bleakness, <laughs> you know, it's, this is how miserable it is, but we can live with that because it's true. <laughs> it's honest, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, it's the most honest month. <laughs> right. It doesn't hide how things really are. <laughs> yeah. to uh wgbh it's like the radio station in boston but better much better yeah uh it stands for fuck you if you uh, disagree (laughs) yeah exactly worcester's good but hurts or worcester's gonna burn in hell or anything else you want really i don't particularly care um i also did we cover what's gonna be happening (laughs) what's gonna be happening yeah well i think that might actually be the best one (laughs) what's gonna be happening (laughs) what's gonna be happening if you want to expand to a broader market that's what it's gonna be called yeah right. what's gonna be happening with bill (laughs) shaner yeah with bill shaner and dan anderson (laughs) Uh, no by the time you get that you're gonna cast me off like so many forgotten dreams no (laughs) (laughs) the expedition the expedition is getting desperate (laughs) and i'm casting dan aside (laughs) Um, so, uh, the biggest thing that happened this week and the thing that got the most media attention, also it's Tuesday night, uh, as we're recording this. So I don't want to say it's the biggest thing that happened this week. It's the biggest thing that happened so far is, uh, (laughs) on Monday evening, afternoon, whatever. Hey, real quick though. What? (laughs) This is probably interesting radio and real topical. What is a week? When does a week start and when does a week end? Uh, I think that it's generally accepted that Sunday is the first first day of the week. Day of the week. But uh, people disagree on this. Right. People see Sunday as the last, last day, day of the week. week. And, you know, the whole thing about the Sunday scaries, uh, maybe it's due to a little bit of ambiguity. We all can't get on the same page about whether we're starting this block of time or ending it. So you're I in think like that a, Biden could really turn around um, his approval ratings by... Just going out with a speech and making it clear what day the week begins and ends on. Yeah. Yeah. That would be easily the most senile thing he's done so far. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you know, man, I just wanted to get out ahead of this. Get, get everyone, get I on. I heard there's on. been some confusion. <laughs> I heard that there's been some confusion among the American people on what day of the week is and the he, first day. he just day. looks off camera at one point. He goes, no, no, I'm saying it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't care. I don't care. I'm saying it. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> 
Do not put me back in my room. I am saying this. Yeah. His handler is like uh, off stage yeah. with like an ice cream cone being like, Joe, Joe, look, yeah. look, you get this. Stay on message. You get this. You get this at the end. No, 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 no. I'm, t- I'm talking about the weeks here because yeah, yeah. there's been some confusion. I don't know if it's Sunday or Monday. Dude, if they let him tweet the way that Trump just tweeted whatever he was thinking, it would be so good. I think that it would more often than not be like not as good because it would probably just be him like typing out the word print document you know <laughs> yeah, like, right, just right. like with a complete misunderstanding of what he's doing yeah. like, like every know, tweet would end send tweet yeah, yeah, like, right. Right. yeah. <laughs> um but anyway here in worcester uh as we uh continue to grapple with the fact that there's really no driver at the wheel um <laughs> the board of health on monday uh voted in a three-two vote to rescind the citywide mask mandate and the rescinding of that mask mandate will um will happen on february 18th is there only is there five people are there five people on the board of health or was it that's it yeah five people yeah all right fair. it's a it's an appointed board it's not elected okay uh, and we'll get into that a little bit later because uh somebody who is just recently appointed to the board uh is uh gary rosen who was a longtime city councilor um, and he's quoted in, uh, news stories about this. And I didn't have the chance to actually watch the meeting myself, uh, cause I was helping my friends in high command, uh, record the new record really fun. Um, but, uh, he is, um, trying to throw his weight around in a funny way. Uh, and, and, and we'll get, we'll get into that, but like Gary Rosen is just like a messy bitch who loves drama, lives for the what game. Mean, what, what makes you qualified to be, to be appointed to be on the board of, uh, the board of health? Well, what should make you qualified to be on the board of health? Maybe a doctorate is yeah. yeah. Uh, some experience in, in the medical field, the medical field or in, uh, government policy as it relates to public health. Yeah. Uh, or something of the like. Um, but it, you, you don't have to pass a test to be on the board of health. You just get appointed by the city manager. And there's no prerequisite qualifications. No, we have something called a citizens advisory council, which is a group of people who will like go over your resume and do like a quasi interview sometimes. So in theory, if you were the manager of the highway department or some shit, Right. I mean, like, if okay, so yes, so the citizen advisory uh, council, which is the closest thing we have to somebody who could conceivably tell the city manager not to appoint something, someone to something, uh, they really don't have that power, but they can make a recommendation like this person should be on the board, this person shouldn't. But at the end of the day, it's just recommendation, and the city manager could appoint uh, his freaking dog. To, uh, <laughs> I love when that happens. A, a city board, if he so chooses. Um, and uh, there's nothing anyone can do about it besides making it such a big deal that he gets fired over it, because that's the only thing that the city council can actually do in relation to the city manager who has all control over how money gets spent and how uh, the city operates is they, they're like the board of directors they can hire or fire. Okay. I see. Yeah. So he basically is king in the castle, king in the castle, you know? (laughs) Yeah. He can do whatever he wants. And what he chose to do uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe like a month, 
month and a half ago was appoint Gary Rosen, who just recently retired from the city council. Is there pay associated with being on the board of health? I don't think so, but I don't know. Okay. I'd have to fact check that. The city council gets a stipend. It's like thirty grand a year or something. Um, if you're a city councilor, you get you get money. The board of health, I'm not sure. Uh, and Gary Rosen uh, replaced uh, this guy David Fort, who was the old chairman of the board of health. And I haven't called him and asked him personally, but certainly would have voted the other way on this, in my opinion. So he was like sort of like the deciding vote on this and it's something the city manager wanted to happen and he's quoted in the telegram hold on let me pull it up and um i am going to do what i can to find out if there's any more about this going on behind the scenes you know emails public records to see what he was doing but here uh board member gary rosen said it's time to lift the mandate, and he said he wanted a five-to-nothing unity vote from the board in support of rescinding the order. He's one of the five, right? He, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... So he... It wasn't good enough for him that it passed. <laughs> he was like, we all need to vote the same way as a show of unity to the community. This is just tyranny of will? Like, he just... Yes, <laughs> exactly. Like, what do you no, mean? Like, it's literally like, the city manager wants this, so we are honor bound to show <laughs> to the community that we are fully in support of the city manager in this action. And like the, the people who voted against it and we'll get into it, like had good reasons to. And a lot of people that I respect a lot in Worcester are uh, upset that the city did this. And I am a little bit agnostic on this, honestly. Um, but I can see why they're upset. Um, because, uh, the city hall, the, 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 the citywide mask mandate isn't just private businesses, it's public buildings. Mm -hmm. So now say your librarians aren't going to be afforded the protection of, of knowing that everyone that comes to the library is wearing a mask. Exactly. And no one in city hall is going to be afforded that protection. Uh, and, um, like those are the only spaces like that city hall can actually really enforce it. I see because, because I know that in the, you know, announcement of the mask mandate being lifted, it specifically said that businesses are allowed to do at their discretion, uh, implement whatever um, requirements to their own discretion. So like they can still require, in other words, they can still require you wear a mask in any private business, but that doesn't extend to public, um, public offices or, public infrastructure. I mean, right. but city buses that says they're still required. Uh, yeah. And so, also in city schools still required. Yeah. And they actually took a vote on whether to lift the mandate. This is kind of funny. They took a vote on whether to lift the mandate in city schools that failed. Uh, instead of three, two, it was two, three. Yep. And, uh, Tracy Novick, a school committee member who is like one of the premier, um, education policy experts in the state, uh, like while they were deliberating this, tweeted out like, uh, "You guys are aware that that's a school committee decision, right? Like you can't, oh. yeah, you can't actually do that." Oh, so they still did vote on it. But <laughs> they, like, they voted on it, but it would have been a moot point that's because it wouldn't it wouldn't have overturned the school, the school committee's, committee's decision. The, the school it's at the school committee's discretion whether the mask mandate gets lifted in schools. But the board of health decided to take Just a, a vote. complete misunderstanding and overreach of power. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a common theme in Worcester. I mean, I think uh, it's just a common theme 
generally because it's the same yeah. thing as like people saying like oh the government does this when it's like what the fuck are you talking about the government it's like do you mean the fucking board of health in worcester like yeah. who, who is the government exactly right right <laughs> um so this is funny one of the board of health members uh called gary rosen on his shit with this five to zero unity vote thing uh, and said, uh, Anthes also offered a rebuke to Rosen's request for a unanimous vote. She said she was going to vote in favor of rescinding the citywide mandate, but she said she didn't think a five to zero vote had anything to do with reality. She said members of the board bring <laughs> different perspectives that should be allowed to be voiced and respected. That's actually fucking awesome. She yeah. was kind of, she was kind of like, she was like, oh, I was gonna, I was gonna, yeah, but don't tell me what to do. Yeah, <laughs> she, and she, no, she voted that way just anyway. Literally blasting rage yeah. against the machine while she does. Yeah. She's like, fuck, fuck you, you, I won't do what you tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's quoted here saying, uh, "I don't think five to zero shows anything but herd mentality." <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. What's her name again? Uh, An- Anthus, Anthus, uh, Francis Anthus. I All don't right. know if I'm pronouncing Props that to right. You, Francis Anthus. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, like, uh, so the city's perspective on lifting the mask mandate is that the the Omicron surge is has showed like a marked decline, and they are concerned about uh, the mask mandate's effect on local commerce, right? Yes. Um, which is okay. So this is where my opinion gets nuanced. Um, outside of uh, I, I feel bad for. Um, city city clerks, city hall staff, uh, librarians, um, maybe like select customer service people that have to deal with people face to face. Like that, those are the kind of like the three places where this mask mandate actually has an effect. Um, and I feel bad for them. I, like I think that there was uh, no, it was no skin off of anyone's back to keep it in place. Mm-hmm. And we aren't so far out of the woods that it was a smart thing to do. Right, and and also, I mean, because they already implemented it the shitstorm is here and will continue like i mean yeah like whatever pushback there is against it, it is just present readily present right right so just you know there's in other words there's no surprise around the corner f- for pushback you know yeah i don't know I and just yeah deal and, with it. yeah and that uh and you're, you're touching on another thing that i want to get into where it, it's just a weird decision overall but first i want to talk about this whole line about uh, this being uh, a um, like an albatross around the neck of local small businesses. Yeah. Uh, where I really, I mean, being somebody who uh, works currently at a small business, uh, has frequented many small businesses over the course of this pandemic, um, there is varying levels of enforcing the mask mandate and the city hasn't really uh, been fining people for not enforcing it in a way that would really hurt business. I think they've given out like a hundred fines and the fines are like just a couple hundred bucks. Right. Right. So, and, and it wasn't like the first wave of the pandemic where if you got fined for not enforcing the mask policy, it would be like, a news story like oh how dare you you know we're kind of past that now everyone knows like you're not going to get people to wear the masks they're going to wear them like over their freaking mouth yeah, but not their that's nose the thing is, also speaking as someone who works in small businesses the um i mean what are you supposed to do exactly i mean yeah. you're a fucking bartender at one of the dive bars here in worcester and what you're supposed to every time a customer walks in with their mask 
around their chin or with their nose not proper. It's I'm supposed to regulate how you wear the mask. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not your job. Right. And, and, and it's not our job. And it's not our, our ability to enforce it is extremely limited. Yeah. And we're so fucking psychotic in this country that it's fucking dangerous. I mean, it never happened in Massachusetts, but like grocery store workers and shit have been shot over trying to get people to pull the mask up over their face. You know, like it's a, uh, it's, it's not worth it. Uh, like the the chance of infection is less than the chance of somebody becoming hostile and violent, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but so like the city rescinding its mandate for a citywide uh, mask policy is for a place that has been either loosely or not enforcing the mask mandate in their establishment. So it's kind of just throwing your hands up and saying, whatever. Yeah. For, for that kind of place, it's like, Oh, okay. Well, we don't have to even pretend anymore. Fine. Yeah. And like, you weren't even really doing anything in the first place. And, uh, the majority of the population, at least their customer base has just accepted that. And it's fine. I mean, like the whole concept, I worked in a restaurant for the, for the first half of the pandemic and the whole concept of walking in with your mask and then taking and it then, off and sitting down and, and sitting down agreed, and agreed. It's silly. It's yeah. a silly idea. And I mean, it was always a half measure. It was always just like, just trying to, just government trying to say that they're doing something like, it was, and I think there's something to be, I mean, I don't know about the statistics of it, but like to do whatever can be done to mitigate the overflow of people in the hospitals. That's the whole thing. Right. It's not necessarily people. It's just that people who need to be hospitalized for other things and the hospitals inundated with people with COVID symptoms, you know, you want to try to mitigate that any way you can. At the yeah. same time, the way to mitigate that isn't to go out to the bar. And right. so people that are going out to the bar, myself included, no, like, yeah. it, you know, it's, we've already given up on that. So, right. I mean, and anyone that wants to take some holier than thou stance and claim that they haven't, well then that's good, but I'd like you to prove that. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, unless you're actually been sitting at home for two years, and, th- you then, know. then there are levels of risk that you're taking. Good for you. I'm not, this is not condemnation. This is not judgment in any way. Um, but it's just, you know, we have to live in reality here. Right, yeah. I, 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 this, I mean... And the reality is, any place that you've been out to eat, uh, you're, like, you, you have people wearing masks when they're walking around, the service staff is wearing a mask coming to your table, but you're taking your mask off and you're eating and you're drinking, and all of that shit is getting touched and getting sent back to a dish pit. And uh, like everyone in the kitchen is probably half wearing a mask or not really wearing a mask. And it like it it was uh, kind of a just a pointless exercise uh, to begin with. And I'm coming at this from the perspective of I think that we should have done a real fucking proper lockdown and not just absolutely let the middle to upper middle class to wealthy people hide for a couple months while everyone else basically just had to continue to go to work and risk infection. Yeah, I mean, uh, but obviously that would have actually, you know, required something that a strong government response. M- yeah. Maybe something like $2,000 a month for every, um, household and yeah. uh for the two months following the pandemic right come on hers sorry excuse me i sneezed um, uh, it might have required one less f-35 that can't get yeah. off the ground yeah, yeah right uh but um if you're a business that uh sort of like has been gung-ho about the mask mandate the city rescinding not the mask mandate a mask policy for your establishment the city rescinding its mandate isn't going to change 
what you're doing. No. Like you can just keep doing it and no. that's fine. And honestly, it's becoming like most things like a fucking, uh, a, a cultural thing. Like, uh, your, your coffee shops, like new cafe and like acoustic Java and places like that, that are catering to a certain audience are going to be like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. We're going to keep putting our fucking masks on. Sure. Uh, your, your honey farms and like Ralph's tavern and, uh, you know, the nines and places <laughs> like that, uh, are going to be like, fuck it. Yeah. Fuck. Take it off. Who the cares? Phoenician hookah bar. Yeah. The Phoenician hookah lounge. <laughs> Famous haunt of uh, of Jenga and cocaine enthusiasts. Yeah, don't <laughs> don't buy coke there. Uh, but yeah, so I I think that um, you know it's 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 kind of a, a non issue overall to me. But what I think is interesting about this is how much play Worcester has gotten in um, the 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 statewide uh, press which usually only talks about Worcester if it's Woo Sox related or if there's a particularly heinous crime or uh, <laughs> if they're doing some atrocious story about how a condo development shows that this former gritty mill town is becoming uh, on the rise. You know? <laughs> uh, so like this made like this as a, as a measure of uh, public health policy, this like made the news. Right. You know? but, but I mean, don't you think part of that is that it's literally the um, testing the ice where it's just, it's just, Hey, Worcester did this. Huh? No. What, that, what, that what is, do you, uh, yeah. Thoughts, <laughs> right? And it's like it's 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 newsworthy in that way, <laughs> where it's literally not opinionated. It's like, hey, just telling you, Worcester did that, and you think what about that, Pu- yeah. general public? Right? Uh, do you think that uh, <laughs> everyone should be doing that? Maybe Boston should rescind its uh, vaccine passport. Or no, no, that's what I said. No, I said no the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I, I meant I, I meant no too. Yeah. yeah, please don't cancel your subscription. <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, so. Um, I, I sort of I, I I find the motivation for uh, putting this on the agenda because uh, it, it came from the city manager's office uh, to be put on the agenda for the board of health to vote on and uh, a a longtime sycophant of the city manager in Gary Rosen was trying to like uh, bully whip everyone and showing a five to zero unity vote on the matter. I that, find it, that I think is the lead here in the story. That, yeah. That's the part where it's literally just like, yeah, it, it's just a bizarre power play. It's so weird. Right. Right. I mean, it's really creepy. Whatever the, and he's what, the new guy on the board of health. He's been on the board for like uh two months tops, you know, it's like, it's like, I think we, you know what? If you don't all vote for it, you're a bunch of bitches. You're a whole bunch of pussies. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, doing the classic Worcester thing of like, if you talk shit about like anything in Worcester, you're like, oh, well, you're just a naysayer. Yeah. You don't agree with the city manager? Oh, you hate Worcester? Well, fuck you. I grew up in Maine South. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly, exactly. Um, where'd you grow up? Yeah. Oh, you're from Tatnick Square? That explains it. <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that is like, that's kind of, and that's something that I'm going to do a little bit of digging on, because I'm not going to get that story from anybody uh, publicly. I mean, you might. I don't know how much you're going to even dig. It seems like you might just get down to the well, brass tacks there that it's just between two people there. Well, no, you know, but like, but there's a there's a paper trail, and I am excited. You think to, there is a paper trail? Or do you think oh, there, absolutely. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Because uh, you it know. seems to me like that could have just literally been like, hey, uh, you know, just a phone call, like, maybe hey, those, those fucking cowards. <laughs> They need to be all on the same page. Like you, city manager yeah. Augustus was like, "Tell you what, you got the position there. Why don't you rally it? 
Yeah, city manager at Augusta's talking to Gary Rosen on the phone. He's like, Gary, you know I love you so much, and I think you were one of the best city councilors that ever served, and you've always been good to me, and I've always been good to you, so what I need you to do is get that five to nothing vote from the Board of Health. I put you there. I don't care if to it passes. I need five to nothing. I need to show a strength here. I need yeah. to show unity. I need you to prove to me that you're the guy for the job, right. that you're the guy that I trusted. And Ed Augustus is like <laughs> a very uh, uh, catty sort of um public official that would like actually really care if the vote was five zero or three to two yeah. you know and like i could see him actually like equipping gary rosen to put the pressure on bizarre. to make it that way yeah because he has very very thin skin it's genuinely hard for me to get my head around this concept of ego politics yeah like the uh like uh a couple weeks ago um his connection cut out while he was trying to talk about something like, cause all of the city meetings right now are virtual. Mm-hmm. Um, and the city clerk stepped in, who's like an underling of him and said, uh, sorry, uh, Mr. Augustus has a weak connection. Uh, we'll try to patch him back in later. And I was on the stream and I said, uh, Oh shit. Nico just said that Ed had a weak connection. He's going to get fired. <laughs> I want his head on a fucking plate. What did he say no about one me? calls me weak. No one says my connection is weak. I only have the strongest connection. I have the strongest connection on anyone. No one has a better connection than me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that it was uh, a very weird choice for Worcester to decide to do this now when it was like literally a non-issue, no skin off of anyone's back to like just wait until the spring or the summer. Uh, and that's probably why it made the news is like, we're still in winter. It's still February. Like Omicron may be on the decline, but it's not like necessarily over. We're just all collectively tired of it. And it's like that onion article or tweet where it's like very American to think that, um, uh, COVID is over because you're over it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, we said it last week. It's like this fucking, or one of the most recent times that was the, uh, you know, it's the fucking um, war is over if you want it. Just pretend it. Just pretend. Yeah, yeah. just pretend. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also very interesting, and I hope this isn't the reason why, but this comes like, like we went over with the audio clips, this comes like two weeks after the push for uh, a vaccine passport program in Worcester. Just sort of... Yeah, I didn't uh, think about it in that context, which means that now that is obviously off the fucking table. Right. If they're not going to even make you wear masks. then Well, yeah, like that's obviously off the table. But even more than that, might that have influenced the city manager's decision to sort of step out ahead of the consensus of municipalities in Massachusetts because maybe he's getting so much political pushback. It actually, yeah. Brendan Melikin on the stream just earlier tonight said that it might be coming down from on high from like uh, the our our uh, our federal representatives that are facing midterm elections, uh, uh, where they're seeing uh, that there's trying to, such like, trying like a, to rally the fucking yeah, base or whatever. Right. Well, they're seeing that like the the other base, the other side yeah. could be very easily rallied. And yeah. obviously the Democrats have <laughs> Wait, like, that's shocking. Yeah. Like it very easily rallied, uh, like by design. And the <laughs> Democrats have objectively done an awful job with the first two years of the Biden, uh, administration besides pulling out of Afghanistan. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Uh, but like, yeah, like his approval rating is like at like fucking 30%. Uh, and they stand to get absolutely fucking smacked. 
Yeah, I mean, my question, I don't know, this is totally off topic, but I want to do a little study here. Like, what's the last time that approval ratings were high for a president? Have they, like, oh, Trump's approval ratings got pretty high. High, what's high? I don't know, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to say a number, but they were high at one point. They didn't get to 50%. No, I don't know, but, like, uh, Obama had some high ones. Do you think so? I don't think he did. Um, I want to know what the, uh, whatever, what we may... What's the highest approval rating in the last, I don't know, 40 years for presidents? You guys hear him typing? Yeah. He's he's asking the internet. This, this is probably not great radio for anyone at home. But, I mean, it brings up a question, like, yeah. is 30% actually low, or is that just what every president's approval rating is going to be from now on until forever? Yeah. Because it sounds to me like about a third of the population is the most you're hi- going to get. Yeah, right. Yeah, Barack Obama's highest was 76%. Oh, 76? Yeah. Trump's was 49, and Biden's was uh, 63. Um, okay. Um, but like Trump's also, highest was 40. 49 yeah okay 76 for obama yeah he had a he had a, a grace period there for a while but it brings back the the point that i have always made we're getting really off topic now but who the fuck is getting a phone call and like can i ask you a few questions and, they're and like, not immediately hanging uh, up yeah who's like yeah. sure thing i got plenty of free time yeah. Yeah. an what absolute you, i can't wait to share my opinion yeah like yeah that's crazy. So yeah. how how much can you rely on those right. ratings ever? It's like someone who takes pride in the fact that they're an undecided voter. Who's you know? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I think both parties have... Yeah, I mean, uh, the best was between Biden, between... Um, between Sanders and Trump, it was like, like people that were like, I can't even tell in the primaries if I'm going to vote for, if I'm going to like try to register as Republican or Democrat so I can vote for Biden, for, for fucking, um, for Trump or, uh, Bernie Sanders. It's like, it's like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. That's not even the same game. Like they're not even playing the same political game. Very important to constantly Mm -hmm. remind yourself how little, uh, Americans overall actually understand politics. Absolutely. You know, they just all have the craziest, weirdest conception of everything. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Um, uh, Gee, I can't decide. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Gee, what a rough choice between these two things. I think the Democratic Party and the Republican Party are both great. Well, that guy said a thing. <laughs> well, I heard that guy said a thing, but then the other guy said a different thing. Yeah, right. What do I think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the way people make decisions uh, is, like, brain-dead and easily manipulated and <laughs> yeah. terrible, and that's why uh, we should get rid of democracy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Why not? I mean, yeah. we don't even live in a democracy anyway, so who cares? Yeah, just um, like that article that the, um, I think Bloomberg just recently posted that said that uh, Amazon and Facebook should get seats at the UN. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Let's give up the... I, here's the thing is, I was going to bring that up on this podcast, Yeah. but I read the article and I couldn't... I am not intelligent enough to tell if the person... Or maybe it's just so dark that I couldn't grasp it, but I can't tell if the person writing it was making a joke or sarcastic point, mm. like that this is a shameful thing, because really all they were doing was laying down the point that you know, FedEx, one of the points they made was like, FedEx has more airplanes than the Indian Air Force has airplanes. Sure, yeah. And, you know, it was basically saying that these private corporations and conglomerate entities have more power than um, 
a lot of independent nations, nations and nation states. Oh, big time. Um, and, but I, I read the whole article and I still couldn't quite gleam if the person was trying to, they were just laying it out there kind of black and white, but I couldn't tell if the title was tongue in cheek or if they were actually advocating that. Maybe that makes me stupid. I'm probably stupid for this. Yeah. I, well, I think either way, uh, just like, uh, floating the idea, uh, ra- like yeah. opens the Overton window. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think I'm personally, I think let's just give up the fucking charade, you know? Right. Like, yeah, of course, any of the major, like top, uh, <laughs> 20, 30 corporations are more powerful than any country. Of yeah. course. Yeah. And we all actually live under like a mono government, of the global market, which is controlled by these massive fucking companies right. and the U S government, as with any other government is just there to facilitate it. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, a perfect example is, you know, ad revenue from the Olympics on an in- international scale. You want to see how quick fucking, um, Crimea or Ukraine gets invaded by Russia. The second the Olympics are over. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> you know, like yeah. literally like two days after yeah. there's going to be fucking rocket attacks. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, gee, what a coincidence. Right. right. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, let's take a break. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to toot my own horn for a second. Ugh. You're going to what? I'm going uh, to toot out of my horn. Little, Dude, we're, come on. Little, this, is small, this is a small room we're in. Yeah, but you like it. I mean, yeah, I guess I'm used Whenever to I've it. tooted my, my little horn in the past, you've been like, ooh, I like how much don't, it smells. Don't do, don't do yourself wrong like that and call it a little horn. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And I, it's a, a gaping horn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we're, ta- we're making two different analogies to body parts. You probably. Yeah. What, what You start. What was your analogy? I was implying that you were going to do some sort of self-pleasure to your genitals. Oh, no. I was talking about farting farting out my butt. Yeah, I guess mine was grosser. Yeah. Yours was actually grosser uh, by like a... By multitudes. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I apologize to everyone. Um, my apology video will be up on Twitter pretty <laughs> yeah, shortly. Yeah. Here, I'm taking you off Spotify. Yeah. yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, but uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> I had a story run in The Intercept, an outlet that I have read and uh, been a fan of for pretty much my entire professional career as a journalist, and I'm still kind of uh, blown away that uh, this little Worcester boy (laughs) had a story run in this outlet. I mean, this is the outlet that was born out of the Snowden uh the, the Snowden story, like right. out of the NSA dump. The N- like, and when you say born out of it, it was because there was no outlets that would properly cover the story. So a group of independent journalists sort of banded together and covered that. Is that what you're kind of that's implying? That's exactly what happened. Yeah. So like it was, um, uh, the, the people involved in that story, um, like formed the website and it's still, it's still run as, uh, like a, it, it's like run off a nonprofit foundation and it is, um, like, in its tone and uh, objective is like sort of fearlessly uh, adversarial, critical of corporate power, and um, like way more aggressive about 
power structures than your typical outlet in American media. Great. Uh, yeah, it's a really, really, really fucking cool outlet, and I am super pleased to uh, be publishing them. But uh, enough about me. Uh, the story that I got published was something that we've talked about before. I think is, quite a few times, right? Yeah, the the Saint and and like for for good reason because it's it is the most uh, significant and interesting thing happening in Worcester right now. Yeah. The the nurses at Saint Vincent won their strike. They approved their contract by uh, a vote of like off the top of my head, I think it's uh, 487 to 9 votes. <laughs> there was no dispute in this at all yeah. uh, Like about the contract being good, something they want, and something they uh, uh, were was deserving after striking for 10 whole months to get. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's the American worker's dream. I mean, that's the... That yeah. is, yeah, this level of solidarity and dedication and the outcome. I mean, it's beautiful. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And uh, the Massachusetts Nurses Association deserves all of the credit in the world. Uh, and uh, obviously the, the nurses, the MNA nurses that were on strike for sticking through 10 months of a strike. And it's kind of like hard to uh, imagine how difficult that is. Well, I mean, for anyone that lives in Worcester, we can just say that it started in the winter and it ended in the winter. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty and, mis- Going back to like, the opening here, yeah. you know, February is a pretty dismal right. month. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's an honest month. Uh, but like, so like you, you were out of the, out of the job basically for the, for the better part of a year, despite being offered contract after contract from management that gave you pay raises, that gave you better benefits, that you could have uh, pressured your union into taking, but they stayed strong on the belief that they need more nurses for the patients so that uh, patients have better care and nurses aren't so abused by the employee. The 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 contract for the most part by the employer. The nurse. By the employer, sorry, yeah. yeah. The the contract for the most part sets a limit of you can only tend to four patients at a time. And uh, before Great. that they were tending to five, six, you know, what whatever. And on top of having added uh, COVID yeah. protocol and uh, safety regulations, it was uh it was running them fucking ragged and and they fought for that and they won it so now after that there is a vote that started on friday and is going to the it's a mail-in ballot sort of thing and the the votes are going to be counted uh at the end of this month on february 28th to decertify the union now what that means is um if the vote uh goes that way it means that the mna can no longer represent the nurses at St. Vincent. For what, like a period of like a year or For something? a year. Yeah. Yeah, and then they would have to go through the whole process of recertifying the union. <laughs> and the contract that these nurses just um, just went on strike for the better part of a year to win... Would be completely not ...is immediately thrown in the trash, and they're immediately what is called an at-will employee, where they can be fired for whatever the fuck. Yeah. Uh, they have no union protection, no recourse... Um, and they're not bound by the stipulation of any contract as far as pay or benefits go. And there's no arbitration if 
the management wants to lay off nurses or um, decrease their pay, anything. The management can do whatever. Yeah, they or do the classic thing where they just eliminate positions and then create new positions with a different title and rehire yeah. at a lower rate. Right. Yeah. And um, as I outlined in uh, my piece for The Intercept, which, uh, by the way, was the first time I've written like a a, a real boy, like a real serious journalist. Like I put on my real serious journalist voice <laughs> yeah. for the first time in like a year and a half. And it, it was tough. And thank you so much, uh, Maya Habet, the editor that worked in this piece with me for helping me with that. But as I tried to lay out as best as I could within the confines of that voice where I couldn't just go on some like uh, breathless rant talking about <laughs> it, right? Um, the vote is going to be sort of close and actually, this is, um, I, I would like it if everyone listening to this would read the piece because I'm proud of it and I think it does a good job uh, explaining the dynamic here. But um, you might think that if the nurses voted overwhelmingly to approve the contract, why would they then turn around and vote to one, rip the contract up, and two, uh, cast off the union that got them there? And I mean, right. and obviously, a portion of that answer is, I mean, what we co we covered on the podcast before, which is this guy, you know, um, it's these union busting tactics from this lobby group. I forget the name of it. Um, the National Right to Work National Foundation. Right to Work Foundation. Yeah. But also at the same time, the nurses that were eligible to vote on the contract because they were striking nurses is a higher number than nurses who actually have gone back to work there. Yes. So, in other words. A lot of the people that were able to vote on the contract no longer work there anymore. Right, right. So they don't actually have an in-person vote in this instance. Right. But they did have a vote in ratifying the new contract, correct? Yes. So, okay, so this is something that um, was given the, the, the confines of the word count and the scope of the piece was like a little bit too in the minutia to get into, but uh, this is sort of a perfect outlet to get into it right now is... Um, so the hospital and the union have sort of competing numbers on how many nurses actually return to work after uh, what's called the recall process, where you reassimilate the striking nurses back into the workforce. Um, the, uh, the hospital puts it at about 300 nurses returning, and uh, out of 700 that's struck, struck out to strike, whatever, that, that was a she... Struck, striked, strict, strict. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you say that. I don't uh, even know what you're trying to say. Went on strike. Yeah. In the first place. Struck. 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 So, so, uh, so, seven hundred initially striking nurses, five hundred voting nurses, three hundred nurses that are returning to work. Now the union puts that number closer to four hundred. But this decertification effort, which... Um, right, which is the thing you need to fill out X form to come back to your job or yeah. your job is gone. It requires 30% uh, of the workforce, so 30% of nurses at St. Vincent, signing on to the decertification petition to trigger a vote as, mm. the, as far as the process goes. I see. Uh, so that, at the time, required 254 signatures. So... If you're just doing the math based on who signed the petition to bring about the vote that would take the union out of the picture and rip up the contract and how many nurses have returned to work, that's a significantly closer margin 
than the 487 to 9 or whatever vote to Fuck approve yeah. the new contract. And, and, and why would that be? Uh, and this is a very important detail that a lot of outlets have missed, as, we'll, as I'll get into later. But um, throughout the course of the strike, um, St. Vincent initially had to hire scabs, temporary replacement nurses, nurses bust in to fill positions. Right, which those jobs should essentially, those posi- the people that are filling those positions as scabs should be given the boot when the nurse comes back to fill that position. But if not enough nurses come back to fill those positions, then those scabs remain? Well, it's more complicated than that. Okay. Uh, so initially they were just temporary nurses getting bust in. Uh, around August, uh, they announced at the same time that they were both cutting services at the hospital and blaming the striking nurses and that they were going, <laughs> which is insane because this company tripled its share price during the pandemic and made Jesus millions of dollars in, in profit. But anyway, uh, side note, but that they were cutting back services like to the tune of like a hundred fucking beds, you know, like a real significant reduction in, in hospital services and that they were hiring these things called permanent replacements. So shortly after they hire these permanent replacements, about a hundred of them, uh, the, 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 the bargaining unit of the MNA and the management at St. Vincent come to an agreement on a contract. Uh, and I was getting whispers from all my little spider network. Cause I've been like intimately covering <laughs> this case. I got like yeah. a bunch of fucking contacts. They were like, yo, we have a contract. It's, uh, it's settled. And uh, this thing's going to be over. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah, it's going to be over. And that was in August or early September. And then the strike carried on until mid-December because the hospital wouldn't budge on a return-to-work agreement where uh, every striking nurse uh, was legally promised the job that they had to return to. And the hospital's argument was we're not going to fire these permanent replacements we hired. So the compromise that the union and the hospital eventually came to is that all the striking nurses were going to come back, but all of the permanent replacement nurses hired are going to keep their jobs as well. Every single one to a person. Every single one. Every single one. That's that's the part that seems fucked up to me. It's very fucked up. And I I like initially felt a little bit queasy about that because I was like, that's kind of weird. You're going to have all your striking nurses come back and all of the nurses that have probably sipped the management's Kool-Aid, you're going to have to work side by side together, you know? Uh, And like that immediately rang to me as something that could be a problem. And then it became a real problem because one of those permanent replacement nurses is this guy, Cedric Richard Avola, who worked with the National Right to Work Foundation to bring about the decertification petition. Yes. Um, So you have a situation now where uh, all of these permanent replacements hired by the hospital and uh, working for the hospital while the hospital was actively demonizing these striking nurses and blaming them for the fact that they were cutting services. Meanwhile, their company was immensely profitable and just could have <laughs> ended the fucking strike, right? Uh, all of these people are now going to be voting. It's not going to be just the union nurses voting on this decertification petition. It's all of the nurses that work there. All of the people that could be represented. At the end of the day, it's just a numbers game and you have to get the numbers. I mean, obviously we just have to wait and see what the vote, what the vote is, but 
I mean, it seems to me like if you could do the math and figure out the number of re remaining replacement workers or whatever they're called and the number of nurses that are actually physically going back to the jobs, to take their old jobs back. It's really just a game between those things. Cause I mean, do you think the replacement nurses are going to be pretty universal? The replacement workers, they're going to be pretty unified. And obviously the union nurses are completely unified. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, especially the ones that are going to go back to work after 10 months. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, but the, the numbers there are closer than, uh, what you would initially want suspect or want. And as far as the vote goes, what is the, vo how does the vote work? Is it a, just a majority? It's like, just a majority. Yeah. So literally like a one to one ratio. Like if there's like, like if it's 50, 50, 51 to 49. Yeah. Decertified. Yeah. Right? It's fuck. not like a super majority or anything like that. It's like a, it's a straight vote. Yeah. Um, and like people that I interviewed for the story were like, uh, yeah, the Massachusetts nurses association is like very strong and, the like these are labor experts that I talked to. They were like, this the the fact that this union could go ten months and then come out of it with a contract that's more or less what they wanted, and like and then have it, it ripped away this like, quickly like speaks to a union powerful enough that this shouldn't be an issue. Like it's a non-issue, and these right to work people are just wasting time and resources and trying to sow division, which is probably true. Like the, the National Right to Work Foundation, the way that this guy even started partnering with this uh, this foundation, which is like, you know, the the, the biggest anti-union vampires, Koch brother founded, like sort of bullshit yeah. you could ever find, um, is they sent out a legal notice to every nurse when the strike started, where it's like, if you're experiencing problems with the union, call us. And we'll give you free legal representation. Oh, Jesus. So they're, they're literally just fishing for a useful idiot. Yeah. Uh, and they found one. And yeah. uh, and if they succeed in doing this, that means that like this strike was like uh, historic and indicative of like uh, a changing mentality and a changing power among workers and about labor in America. And it was sort of like a strike that started before this national strike wave and ended positively. And if national right to work succeeds in just basically It'll entirely be reversing thing for them, yeah, it would be it would be maybe not as landmark as their Supreme Court decision, like Janus versus whatever, yep. where like they made it so that like people never have to actually pay union dues if they don't want to. But it would be like it would be like yes, we can rat fuck you. You yeah. you strike as long as you want. At the end of the day. We can rat fuck you. Yeah, I mean, not to play the blind optimist here, but even if it does fail, that'll be a tragedy in this case, yes. But at the end of the day, it's not, it's a battle lost and not the war. Right. You right. know, I mean, like these battles can continue to play out. Yeah. Um, but it does show, like, how sneaky and fucking, like, uh, like underhanded these anti union, like, uh, big money financed organizations can be because this might this, <laughs> yeah, like I mean, you might think it's laughable that the nurses at St. Vincent would uh, strike to win a contract, get the contract, and then two months later uh, vote to rip it up. Yeah, but that's just one way of painting it. I mean, that's not really what's actually happening. No, like, I know. Yeah. But like, but yeah. that's the that's the that, that, and that would be the narrative. Yeah, that yeah, one hundred percent. That yeah. that is the projected narrative. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, that's something I wanted to get into here because. Um, uh, the the local media, even the statewide media, uh, 
has done like a really fucking pathetic job covering this. Uh, when the vote started on Friday, the Telegram put out a story, like our paper of record, like where we have the most employed journalists and like ostensibly should be doing the best work, uh, puts out like a five paragraph brief, just being like, the vote starts today. Uh, yeah, there's not. two competing thoughts. Some nurses like the union, some nurses don't. <laughs> uh, you know, like, and didn't get into national right to work or anything like that. Uh, and then the Boston Globe uh, did that story but like a full story like it's probably like uh a thousand words where um it doesn't it mentions national right to work only in passing and uh the lead here is um nurses at st Vincent hospital in worcester have returned to work after historic nine-month strike it was 10 but whatever uh but even as the workers and hospital leaders try to move on from the bitter dispute conflict lingers uh, the Massachusetts, <laughs> yeah, like it's just, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the Massachusetts Nurses Association, the union that launched the strike and negotiated a new contract, uh, is now facing a new threat, being kicked out of the hospital entirely. A contingent of nurses upset by the strike is pushing to decertify the, the union and nix the hard-fought labor contract. A decertification vote began Friday. God damn, that's like, frustrating A language. contingent of nurses upset by the strike yeah also it, i mean it's so easy to say that the contingent of nurses is are the replacement nurses that, they don't, have no, that have nothing to fucking do with the strike to begin yeah, with and they never mention that they never make the distinct, really, they really never make the distinction between uh union nurses so literally it's just sowing the seeds of confusion where just anyone that reads the article is like wait what uh, who's mad about what i don't yeah, even get it, it. it why it, is someone upset yeah that's it's fucking a obnoxious. it's a fake forced two sides thing yeah that's fucking it's like obnoxious. Oh, both sides have merit yeah. you know and it's like no uh, these oh, like that's frustrating as these shit. temporary nurses, uh, one of them especially, are being used by an anti-worker, anti-labor, well-financed yeah. national organization that wants to destroy worker power in America once and for all. And then it's the nurses who went on strike for ten months to win a better contract. It's but like the gorgeous. the Globe doesn't even fucking get into that shit. They just say, and this came out like three or four days after my story and they didn't even get into any of that shit when it was all there for them public to see, you know? And like the fact that they were even writing about it is probably because they saw that they intercepted a story on Massachusetts and, Oh, we have to have something on that story. Right. Yeah. Fucking. Like, you know, it's just, it's insane. Um, and, uh, it's disheartening and, um, and February, February and is a dismal. February is a is an honest month. <laughs> oh, February man. doesn't try to tell you it's something that it isn't. <laughs> and if you look into the trees, uh, you might find a dark truth. A dark truth. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's about as good a place as any to end it. Um, this has been another edition of uh, what, what's what's going to be happening. What's going to be happening? <laughs> hey, what's going to be happening? Yeah. Well, uh, my name is Bill. I'm his- Dan. Yeah. Hell yeah. His name's Dan. I was going to say his name, but then he said his name. I said my own name. Yeah, he can do that. Uh, and we will be back uh, next week with more uh, freaking Gabagool to munch on. <laughs> oh, yeah.
sleep in the night! Hey! 